it seems to them that they don't need cross functionality. So maybe the first challenge is just to convince them of that. Why are okay. why are we asking them to be cross functional? Um, in addition to just being able to kind of swarm on whatever's uh, the most highest priority and urgency, right. um, you're also like gaining more knowledge about the products in general, gaining more knowledge about the organization that you're in. You're hopefully learning from someone else, maybe some technical skills that you can then transfer throughout your career. So I think a cross-functional team brings with it many benefits, um, okay. communications, uh, knowledge, learning, all of that comes along for the ride. Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. This is a brand new kind of podcast we're trying out. Uh, Vic Bonacci's here. Vic, say hi to everyone. Hi, everybody. Hi, Dave. Hey, good to see you, man. Um, we're both certified scrum trainers. We both work at Leading Agile, and we're going to talk about some stuff we see teams doing and kind of puzzle through some of the challenges. So hopefully, if you fit one of these descriptions of the issues we're discussing, this will maybe add some value or give you some ideas, things you might try to help kind of tune things up a little. So... I did a call last week with a team, um, and they are supposedly doing Scrum. <laughs> but when I asked them about how this was working, what I was told was they couldn't do sprint planning the way the Scrum Guide says because each person on the team has, like, one kind of job, and all the work that is pushed down the tubes to them, each person gets their work for the sprint. And it's kind of like each person is having their own sprint, and what happens in sprint planning is everybody just shows up and says what they're going to do for the next, theoretically, two weeks. But uh, they always have a lot of carryover work. And one of the main issues there is there are only software developers on this team. There's nobody dedicated to doing any kind of testing at all, which there's a lot, to, a lot in there, a lot to unpack. So There is a lot. The first thing you said, you know, they're not quite doing Scrum. And I immediately said, well, is anyone doing Scrum? Is anyone doing Scrum? And does, right? it, maybe does that's, it even matter? Maybe that's another topic for another day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's funny because I've got a, a, a similar team, a team that's going through something very similar to that. And I think probably many of us who have been around Scrum and teams for a while can relate to something like this. Yes. So it's a great topic. Um, <clears throat> just to set you up the context with my team. Also, it's a whole bunch of devs. They probably can be uh, cross-functional in that they all can work on each other's technology, but they might okay. not know the business domain. So it feels to me like there's maybe three oh. or four different products and product owners or business owners that kind of funnel yeah. through the product owner. So two members of the team are working with business owner A on that product and another couple members of the team are working with business owner B on another sure. product. And, uh, and similarly, no QA. So the business usually provides someone to do user acceptance testing, and and that's the level of QA that this team needs. They're not like full stack okay. developers. They work on some uh, kind of one off projects for. So, so you can't even suggest Kanban for them because everybody's. It's like a bunch of little <clears throat> mini teams. I I can suggest Kanban for them. <laughs> can suggest um, lots of things. I think I think Scrum has a lot of benefits that it can provide to them, but they have to get okay. out of the habit of being siloed first. They have to truly okay. be one cohesive team because it's pretty rare if you think about it that all of these different product owners have the same level of urgency with their product sure. you know, one person 
product owner might have something that's, uh, you know, it's going along fine yet, yeah, needs these updates. So the developers who are used to talking to that product owner will go up to that dutifully, go up to that product yeah. owner and say, hey, we're done. What, do what can we work on next? Yeah. Well, you know, I don't really have anything urgent, but hey, you can always do this. And so they're working on this tech debt or low value feature implementation where really they should be helping their teammates get something else across the finish line. Okay. So, um, when I have teams in this situation, one of the things that I say they have to fix first is there has to be, I don't care how many product owners you have, but there's got to be one of them that is the voice of priority to the team right. saying for all nine or however many of you there are, these are the most important things to do. Do you agree with that? Sure, I do agree with that. And the okay. way I phrased it, yeah, I've got these business owners and they should be going through the product owner, but obviously they're not. Yeah. Okay. And what if you don't have a product owner? Oh, yeah, that too. I mean, then you have the developers talking straight to the business owners and they see it as their product owner. Yeah. Okay. So if, if I'm a developer on a team like that and I don't have clarity on what is the most important thing to the organization, because I have another team in that situation. Yeah. Um, do you, that to me almost seems like an impossible situation when there's no product owner, no product manager, just some tech lead saying, this is the thing you have to do. So if you have a scrum master, assuming okay. that you're, you're running scrum and you've got someone who's designated to be a scrum master, that's one of those instances where Ken Schwaber said, you know, what would you do to if you could change any of the values in scrum, what would you change? And he said, I'd double the font size of courage. That's where really a <laughs> scrum master needs to like pull forth some from their reservoir of courage so to fun. have those conversations, yeah. right? Um, with whoever it is, the business owners or some executive who can maybe rally those business owners together. Okay. Well, so let's assume that we get, we get that we get clarity on priority, mm -hmm. but we still have a group of people who are specialized. They're not very kind of T-shaped, but not really. Um, you know, you suggested that they were going to have to develop cross-functionality. How does a team do that? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, and, and it seems to them that they don't need cross functionality. So maybe the first challenge is just to convince them of that. Why are okay. why are we asking them to be cross functional? Um, in addition to just being able to kind of swarm on whatever's uh, the most highest priority and urgency, right. um, you're also like gaining more knowledge about the products in general, gaining more knowledge about the organization that you're in. You're hopefully learning from someone else, maybe some technical skills that you can then transfer throughout your career. So I think a cross-functional team brings with it many benefits, um, okay. communications, uh, knowledge, learning, all of that comes along for the ride. One of the next steps then, once you get them to understand that this is valuable, because if they don't see the value in it, they're not going to <clears throat> excuse me, that's going to be making it harder for them to proceed with the next step, which is right. to potentially pair them up. Okay. Take someone who's uh, working on product A and say, hey, today we're going to work on product A. So um, Al on product A is going to be um, kind of the one half of the pair. And Charlie from product C is going to pair with Al. And, uh, and Charlie might be hands on keyboard. And Al is just kind of like, taking the uh, navigator role of a, a pair okay. of programming type of thing, you know, and they might switch off after a while. And it doesn't have to be two people. It could be more of like the mob programming dynamic where you've got like right. three or four or five people, the whole team, you know, could be going through this. And you would want your team members who are not familiar with product A to be asking Al of these, you know, questions related to this. Why are you doing it like that? What was the yeah. decision here type of thing? Yeah. So if I'm Al and I'm one of those developers that grew up in an environment where me being MacGyver 
who always yeah. saved the day was like, how, what got me my station in the company? Like how I got, you know, the nice office with the new computer. And now you're telling me I have to teach everybody else how to do my job. That makes me less valuable, doesn't it? It would think you would think so on the surface. But okay. if you consider that there's other skills that you're developing, you're you're not only um, potentially learning from the the let's call them junior devs, the people who are not familiar with your your domain, yeah. um, but you're also developing skills of facilitation and mentorship along the way, things that, again, are transferable to whatever career twists and turns of your career journey uh, take place. It was um, not Chet. It was uh, um, Ron. Ron, thank you. Ron, who was working, I think he was working with Kent Beck back in the day. And he had said when it came to pair programming that as a senior dev, Ron was a senior dev and he was working with someone who was very evidently junior, maybe fresh out of college. And he kind of comes in with the standard like I'm, you know, not no one here is in the wrong. But if you've been in your position for a while, you kind of feel like I've been there, I've done that, I know just about every answer to everything. Yeah. And he found that the junior dev was asking really good questions from a, a perspective that Ron himself might not have considered. And so that yeah. was helping him actually become a better developer. So there's there's kind of two levels of learning that the senior dev can get. One is, is kind of the other skills of leadership, of mentoring, facilitating, but also you never know what you're going to find, you know, yeah. like a box I, of chocolates. I'm really glad that you said that because not the box of chocolates part, but that sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, the thing about the junior person asking questions, because they think part of me thinks if you can't teach somebody else how to do what you do, you don't really understand what you do. But the other thing yeah. is you're making yourself far more valuable to the company because you're sharing knowledge. You're learning more about other stuff um, and you're re removing a single point of failure. If you get COVID, God forbid, then the team can't finish the work because you're the only one that knows how to plug that hole. Yeah, if you want to take any time off at all, you know, then you're kind of stuck in that hero mentality. Well, I can't take time off because the whole place will come crumbling down yeah. if I leave. Um, so I think that looks better to people in the organization when you do kind of take a step out of that kind of firm fixed mindset yeah. uh, and kind of open up to the possibilities of, hey, someone else, they don't have to be better than me. I don't have to worry about job security in that respect. But, um, you know, at least now I can take a day off. I can go work on another project. I can and, get and COVID. feel like it's in good. Yeah, I, can, I can go ahead and get COVID. Um, all right. So what about the QA part? Because this is something that I have. An, I have a number of teams in this boat right now. There are yeah. no QA people. And when I ask, well, like, who tests your work? And they'll say, I do. And I'm just like, oh, God, that has been my downfall in so many projects because it worked on my machine at 3 a.m. does not mean yeah. you can ship it to a customer. Sure. Right. And there's there's technologies that people could um, that teams could start implementing to uh, to alleviate some of that okay. fast feedback in some of their editors. Um, some packages come with we won't go there. So I think the 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 way to sell this to a team, if you if you don't have access to a QA person right. and you need that that skill set on the team is, again, go to this idea of pairing, even mobbing, where mm -hmm. together <clears throat> we're going to talk about the, the implications of test. So it's not just me thinking, oh, I've got to test it. Okay, here's the standard like in my head checklist that I normally do, but talking that out loud um, okay. with your teammate, with your pair buddy or or the rest of the, the mob if you're doing that. I think that's helpful. And then maybe discovering some testing good practices, like whether it's uh, 
write your tests first, test-driven design, yeah. um, you know, in, introduce automated testing with the full team on board doing it together so that we're all coming up to speed at the same time, which will alleviate the future need to bring someone else on the team yeah. up to speed, you know. And I would assume also never testing, never being the one to test your own work. Yeah, yeah, that that probably goes without saying too. Is I would um, think it. Yeah, it should go without saying, but apparently it, it doesn't. <laughs> it can't go without saying. Well, oftentimes um, they don't even do code reviews, um, or mm. if they do a code review, again they think I can review my own code. No, that's the point of code reviews. You yeah. want other eyes on it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Any other final tips for for people in this situation? Because we've given them a couple ideas. Hopefully, they can try out. Yeah, I think um, if you're a scrum master, you can't be afraid to to bring up this topic because there's benefits that go along with um, with alleviating some of the challenges, right? With alleviating some of the things that are holding you back. There's also a plus side, a beneficial side. Um, so make sure that that's well known on your team. Reach out to others in your organization if you need help selling the team on that or convincing them of it. Mm -hmm. And then if you're a team member also, look at it as, as a challenge, as a worthy challenge that's really helpful for your career as a developer, whether you stay on your team with your organization or you look to change in the future, these skills are going to pay dividends down the road. Cool. Thanks. Um, and for, for those of you who are watching this and aren't familiar with some of the stuff we talked about, a lot of the practices come from extreme programming. So you can go to extremeprogramming.org if you want to learn about pairing. Um, if you just search for mob programming, you'll find stuff about that. Um, and I also think as a scrum master, if you are going to have to have those difficult conversations during the sprint review with the stakeholders, um, maybe practice that with somebody. Have some people on your team like role play being the executives you're going to have to kind of stare down and walk through a bunch of different scenarios like how will you respond when this happens because you'll be nervous in that moment and the practice will help guide you through it. I think that's a great suggestion. I would say if there's another scrum master in your organization, buddy up with them because they probably have a sense of they have to go through it themselves as well. So cool. That'd be great. Thanks, man. So there you go, um, Dave. If you're if you're watching this and you've got questions, you can send them to us. You can probably just send them to me, Dave.prior at leadingagile.com. It's P-R-I-O-R. Put a link in the show notes. Uh, or Vic, give them your email address as well so they can. I don't want to try to misspell your or to, to spell yeah, your no last worries. name. Uh, I believe it's Victor.bonacci. <laughs> the last name is spelled just like Fibonacci, right? It's B-O-N-A-C-C-I. Yeah. Fibonacci means son of Bonacci. And that that's this guy right really? here. Really? Wow. Yeah. How that's about that? That's impressive. I got my own set of numbers and everything. So <laughs> victor.bonacci at leadingagile.com is All how, right. how to find me. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for your time. And thank you for watching this, everybody.